the big brain behind Yahoo Sports. Check out the big brain on Brad. Rivals.com. This is everything USC. And for once, we can start a TrojanSports.com podcast without talking about what happened on Saturday. That's right. Coming off the bye week, your boys Blair Angulo, Chris Swanson, and Adam J. Maya are ready for this week's edition of the TrojanSports.com podcast. We get set for Saturday's battle with Cal, plus recruiting and the fun and frivolity that these guys always bring to the table. Your TrojanSports.com podcast is now... Here's Chris Watson, Blair Angulo, and Adam Mayo with your Trojan Sports Talk. Welcome back to the TrojanSports.com podcast. I am Blair Angulo, joined as always by TrojanSports.com staff writer Adam Maya. Adam, you're from a remote location this week. Uh, what's it like to be away from me? It's really tough, Blair. Uh, I'd love to be in that room recording with you. But unfortunately, I have a job, and I'm here at USC covering football practice where I have a lot of, I guess, useful information for our game Thursday with Cal. Yeah, and TrojanSports.com editor Chris Swanson is also uh, away from us. He's not in the room right now. What's it like for you, Chris? It's, it's nice, i got to say. It's nice to, to be away from the office, to be at USC. Always fun to be here, and I'm having a good time out here. All right, so the Trojans were on a bye week, guys. Uh, we still got a packed show. We're going to look ahead to Thursday's game against Cal with Golden Bear Report publisher Grant Merrick. We also analyze the Pac-12 South race, and Adam Maya is going to give his weekly award, even though they didn't have a game. Um, so obviously there's plenty to touch on. Uh, there's some injuries, Adam. Uh, you know, What's the major concern for the Trojans heading into this Cal game? It would definitely be a safety. Uh, John Plattenberg has started there recently. It does not look like he'll play. Uh, he's walking around campus right now with the limp. He has a thigh contusion. Um, he, he did not practice today. And Sergeant called him today, said that, you know, he's recovered a little bit better than he expected. But given that he injured himself on Sunday, I would doubt that he'll play on Thursday. And so they're sitting there. And they've been sitting there even with him. And uh, we're going to get Gerald Bowman and Leon McQuay as starters. And then Matt Lopes will definitely be, uh, I think, a factor as a backup. Um, who is it not really practice there? That was a bit surprising. But um, they had Sua at linebacker and at nickel. And so, um, again, they have a very thin uh, defensive backfield already. And now one of the starters out. Chris, it seems like it's the most inopportune time for this to happen. I mean, Jared Goff, the, the nation's fourth leading passer, with you know all those touchdowns and that Cal's aerial attack, is coming to town now. And it's going to be a little more difficult now with some injuries. Yeah, it's going to be tough. Uh, Cal can throw it around, they can score. Uh, it, it's, like you said, it's the worst time for USC to be missing a safety. They were not deep there uh, at all, as you can tell from what Adam said. Yeah, they have two scholarship players that are going to start and then a, a walk-on. You know, so we'll probably get a lot of playing time. Yeah, it's bad timing. Uh, USC is probably hoping they, they can score on Thursday because uh, Cal's definitely going to score some points on them, I think. What, what is the outlook? Because, you know, especially offensively, because they're coming off a big victory at Wazoo where the offense was just clicking. Um, but it seems like now they have a bye week. It, it, it allows them to rest. But wouldn't you have wanted to kind of keep that rhythm and keep playing and, and just go out there again? I think that's a fair point, Blair. I think that, you know, it might have benefited them to, to be able to just come off a win like that and go right back to work. But they were so banged up. 
I think a few days off was really useful to them. If, if they didn't have fewer cravings for the Cal game, that would have been a disaster. You know, there, there, there's some benefit to having a couple extra days, I think. Adam, what's your input? One thing about Stark, and this goes all the way back to when he was the, the coordinator here in 08, he really seemed to kind of approach games um, offensively, you know, depending on what he thinks he can do defensively, you know, what kind of game he's going to get into. And he made this point yesterday that with Cal, you better be ready to score 35. And so I think he kind of knows that they're going to give up some points, understandably, but he'll at the same time be ready to be more aggressive. You know, I think we can see, we can expect to see a lot more from USC offensively, um, continuing to throw the ball down the field and looking to, to score early, looking to score often. Um, we saw that with, you know, Colorado, Washington State, two teams that maybe they're not the greatest, but they do pose a threat offensively. And I think Cal fits into that category. I'm expecting, I don't know if it'll be a shootout, but I'm expecting an approach like it would be a shootout. Guys, this wouldn't be USC without some off-the-field stuff. Ed Orgeron has surfaced in the news. What's your take on it, Adam? Well, I, I guess it was probably just catching Sarkeesian off guard. Sure, he would be willing to talk about Orgeron at, at another time, another place, but we're coming back from a, a layoff, and then there's this report that Orgeron, you know, wants to come back to USC and, you know, willing to do it. You know, kind of inferred that he would want to come back even next year. And not that it's inappropriate for him to say that, but I think for Cartesian, he's not going to really entertain that because he has a full staff. You know, it's a brand new one in terms of all being together at USC. And he's not going to just say, yeah, we're, we, we have open arms for Ed Orgeron. I wouldn't read too much into it. I don't, I can't really, you know, say whether this means that Orgeron would come back or not. I just think that Cartesian wasn't in the mood to talk about it, and so therefore he got that dismissed advancement from him. Back to some real football talk. Uh, you know, the Pac-12 South race has dwindled down to a, maybe a three-team race now. ASU's at the top with a 5-1 and one conference record. UCLA and USC are both 5-2. and two. Utah dropped out after losing to Oregon on Saturday. Arizona obviously lost to UCLA two weeks ago. Uh, what's the feeling now around the team, Chris, uh, with this team heading into this last two Pac-12 South Conference games? have a chance you know that, that's that's what they're holding on to but they're not focused on it it's, it's the typical coach speak thing we're just you know they're concerned about themselves they're concerned about week to week winning the game that's in front of them if that happens they have a chance it's a small one they need some help but you know it's there and if USC wins out even if they don't win the division it's a nice season for them yeah, we'll go to the, the we'll, yeah we'll go to the There's brains the we'll go to the brains of the operation now with Adam Adam you're you're the brains of the operation here <laughs> so let's break it down but keep it simple for for everyone yeah well USC's best case scenario remains a three way tie with Arizona and Arizona State and I think you kind of forgot to mention that Arizona is still in this race and so that's still in play uh, they need Arizona to win out and if USC wins that then it would be a three way tie. And UCLA would finish in fourth, and that, uh, that that gives USC a tiebreaker by you know by them beating UCLA in that, in that last division game. They would have a tiebreaker that Arizona and ASU would not have by both losing to UCLA. And so, you know, they've made mention of the fact that there's a, a, a kind of a crack open, you know, for them to walk through and win this division. 
but uh, they're really focused on winning out. Um, I think it means a lot to them to, you know, beat Cal, beat UCLA, beat Notre Dame, even more than just necessarily winning that division because that division is out of their control. And so um, I think they know it's there, but then given that they can't control it completely, they know that they can go 3-0, and and I think that's really what they care about. Chris, they're going to have to beat Cal on Thursday. Uh, one of those rare midweek games, especially for USC. What's th- what? What are you expecting in terms of the environment, the atmosphere there on campus on Thursday? I think it's going to be a little bit crazy. Tailgate is going to be uh, kind of confined to the area around the Coliseum. It's going to be a little bit different game day atmosphere. I'm waiting to see if you know fans in Los Angeles show up to a football game on a Thursday night if they're willing to rush hour traffic to get to the Coliseum. That's the that's the one thing that kind of stands out to me about the atmosphere. Is the college team going to sell out for this game? You know, it's a huge advantage for USC when they have ninety thousand people cheering them on. So it's a wait and see. It's going to be interesting. And one person that will have to brave through that Los Angeles traffic is Adam Maya. Adam, no game last week for the Trojans, but you're still going to hand out your award because you're that kind of guy. I thought it'd be appropriate to hand out this award even on a on a bye week and. I am uh, privileged to give it to Coach Steve Sarkeesian for giving us the week off. Not only did the team have the week off, but we had a few days off where we didn't have to come here and cover practice. That was cool. And so we did our best to you know, keep content fresh up on the, on, on the page. I hope everyone appreciated that. But it was great to sleep in for the first time in entire fall. Yeah, read up on all of Adam's reports as we head into the Cal game, Trojansports.com. We'll be right back to break down Cal with Grant Merrick, the publisher of GoldenBearReport.com. You're listening to the Trojansports.com podcast. Hey, it's the QB Sean Salisbury, and you're listening to the Trojan Sports Podcast right here on the home for everything USC. Everything USC. Trojansports.com. You're listening to the Trojan Sports Podcast on Trojansports.com. Power by Rivals. We're now joined by Grant Merrick, the publisher of GoldenBearReport.com. For the Cal perspective this week, you can follow him on Twitter at CalRivals. Thanks for joining us, Grant. Yeah, no problem. Glad to be here, guys. So, sophomore quarterback Jared Goff ranks fourth nationally in passing yardage. He's thrown 27 touchdowns to only four interceptions. That's a very remarkable number given all his pass attempts. And what areas has he improved this year in his second year in the in the conference? I think the biggest thing is, uh, you know, just, just comfort with the offense. Um, I think last year, you know, they, they were a little bit more limited in what they could do. And, you know, he already has the talent, obviously, at wide receiver. Trevor Davis and Chris Harper, Bryce Treggs, Steven Anderson. I mean, they really have kind of a, a cavalcade of wide receivers out there that are all pretty highly recruited guys. I think the biggest thing for, for Jared is that he has kind of taken the next step in terms of, you know, throwing to windows rather than throwing to guys. Um, I think his pocket presence has improved a little bit. And I think just in general, it's, it's little things that he's been able to do this year that he maybe couldn't last year. He's added a back shoulder fade that definitely was not something he could throw consistently last year that he's had a lot of success with this year. Um, and I, I think getting the wind early on this season has really done a lot for his confidence, which I think you know is always pretty big for any quarterback. The Trojans have had success against pocket passers this year. They really shut down Sean Mannion at home. They obviously beat Connor Halliday up at Wazoo, and he was injured in that game. But uh, in terms of, I guess, Jared Goff's pocket presence and, and his ability to, to really kind of stay in the pocket, how good is that offensive line, and, and what do you expect from them uh, this Thursday? 
Yeah, I think the offensive line is probably the, the most improved unit on Cal's team, and I think one of the reasons for their success this year. Um, you know, I think kind of across the board, last year there was at least one, maybe two kind of huge holes on that line, and they don't really have a guy that is consistently getting beat, um, which I think is a, you know, a big difference. Getting Chris Adcock back, uh, is, is the senior center, he's kind of the, the heartbeat of that offensive line. Uh, Chris Barrio is a guy who started as a true freshman, uh, only a half a year, and, and now he started every game since. He's a guy who's going to get some all Pac-12 honors in his future. Uh, Jordan Rigby is a guy who uh, is a guard, played center last year, and now has moved up to tackle. He's kind of a, a jack-of-all-trades. It's really been pretty successful. And I think Stephen Moore has probably made the biggest jump uh, of any of Cal's offensive linemen uh, in terms of what he was at last year. And I think it's not even just being able to protect Jared. Um, you know, running the ball, Cal is averaging, I think, 148 rushing yards per game, which is the most they've had since 2012. Um, and that was really a problem with the offense last year is not being able to run the ball and giving guys an opportunity to kind of just, you know, pin their ears back and come right at Jared. Um, they, they haven't really had a bad game this year. There, you know, there hasn't been a game where Jared has been just completely blown up by anybody, uh, which is really impressive. I thought for sure that this offensive line was going to have a couple clunkers, uh, and they really haven't in terms of, you know, the amount of pressure that guys have gotten on Jared. Um, I'm worried about USC, though. I think, you know, just in terms of the athletes that they have, and I think that's probably the the biggest thing that this offensive line struggles with is guys who are just, you know, freakishly athletic because I think they've been able to do a good job against guys with size. I think it's the guys with speed that probably have given them the most trouble. You mentioned it, and you alluded to it a little bit. Cal is arguably the most improved team in the conference this year. They lost a heartbreaker at Arizona on on a last-second Hail Mary, which USC fans are very familiar with, with uh, an Arizona Hail Mary (laughs) there at the end. Uh, They also lost a very winnable game against UCLA at home a couple weeks ago. What has Sonny Dykes done to turn that program around? Yeah, he said it this week, and I think that he's probably pretty accurate, is that he kind of he stuck to his guns. Now, last year, they were pretty decimated by injury. I think they lost uh, something like nine starters from the defense, which is you know a pretty staggering number. Um, offensively, they lost Adcock, which was a, which was a huge thing to lose. And, and you know, that I, I think that when you put all that together, it seemed like, oh, they have, they have one of the top five most difficult schedules in the country, and they lost all these guys' injury, but everyone loses guys to injury. You know, you look at this year, though, and it's like, well, actually, maybe that was a little bit more damning than people realize. I think everyone is, the strength and conditioning was was a, was a big uh, addition that he made this last offseason. It was the first one that they had a full entire strength and conditioning program under Damon Harrington, who's their SMC coach. Uh, and I think it made a big difference. The offensive line, like I said, is, I think is one of the most improved units, and I think that, that adding that bulk to a relatively young offensive line was really important to be able to hold up as they have so far this season. Daniel Lasco is a guy who... Looks like he's going to be a thousand yard back this year. And uh, a year ago, he was dealing with a ton of injuries, just kind of every week, knickknack type stuff. Um, and then I think the you know the, the biggest thing for Cal is that they're not deep at a few positions, and they've been able to stay relatively healthy at them. If he is one where they they literally have the backups right now are a converted wide receiver um, and a guy who has played maybe half the games of the season, Avery Sebastian, uh, who is dealing with injuries all the time. So. The other backup there is going to be Patrick Warstel, who is also a converted wide receiver. Both of the, the converted wide receivers are also walk-ons. Clearly, they have no safety depth, but Mike Lowe and Seth McClure have been able to play together the last few games, which I think has made a big difference in why they've been competitive in those. And then defensive tackle is the other kind of big one for Cal. Uh, they just don't have a lot of depth at defensive tackle. Uh, Mustafa Julio has played every game this season and been healthy for pretty much all of them. And 
Austin Clark only missed one game, and it was in fact State, which really, really didn't end up mattering. So I think I think that's part of it is being able to stay healthy. But then, like I said, you know, it's it's just Sonny hasn't really made wholesale changes anywhere. Uh, everything he's done has been kind of just being able to be confident in the offense that he ran at Louisiana Tech that had so much success. And we've seen them make as large a jump as they made at La Tech in year two at Cal this year. You mentioned you were a bit concerned by USC's athletes, uh, especially on defense, and they have athletes all across the board. They're very talented. But where can Cal cause some problems, in your in your opinion, there on Thursday? Well, it won't come on the defensive side of the ball. I think that they're, they're, the one thing that they've been able to do in, you know, in most of their wins this season is they've been opportunistic. So whereas the defense, is, it's really a, a bend, 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 and barely don't break at the defense. Uh, the way they've had success, especially in that Oregon State game, was coming up with kind of key turnovers. The Caleb Coleman interception on Mannion basically kind of turned the momentum towards Cal's favor in that game. It's going to be offensively. Um, you look at what they did against Oregon. I mean, that's number three team in the country, and they put up the most points that anyone has this season against them. I think if they're going to beat USC, it'll be a game kind of like the UCLA game, where it's a high-scoring affair. Their, their defense is going to get scored on a bunch by USC, but I think their one opportunity is whether they can kind of punch back. Like I said, the wide receivers have really been a, a strength of this team. They, they have a couple injuries. Kenny Lawler is dealing with an ankle injury, and uh, Trevor Davis has sat the last couple weeks with a with a kind of a neck stinger. Uh, both of those guys are expected to be back since they had the bye week, which will be pretty big for that that group. And then Danny Lasko, like I mentioned, you know Cal Cal had one of the worst running attacks in the entire country last year, and he's kind of been on a mission. He's run against some actually very good run defenses, so I think if Cal is going to be able to hang with USC, it's going to come offensively, not defensively. How good are Bryce Treggs and Chris Harper now? They're in their, in their third year. They're, they're obviously these guys that are from down here in Los Angeles. They're very good. Um, it's funny because uh, Bryce is leading the team in receptions, and he's almost a guy that has been, I think, a little overlooked this season. Um, it, it's funny because I, you know, I, I think last year there was uh, maybe a little thought that Chris Harper was Cal's best wide receiver. And I think this year he probably still is, but it's so much closer. I think Trevor Davis is a guy who I don't think anyone expected him to have the kind of year that he had. Uh, Kenny Lawler has been on the Sports Center top ten more times than I can count. And then you know, you know, Chris and Bryce both have just been as steady as they have since they were freshmen. It's funny because all all of those guys create matchup problems. They're all really different wide receivers, and they all have had a lot of success. If you look at the receiving numbers across the board, I think Cal has probably had a new leading receiver every week this season in terms of overall numbers. That's just how close those guys are right now. Um, and, you know, they're all they're all weapons. It's not like you can really shift coverage one way or the other because they've all shown an ability to burn you if, if you give them single coverage. You've mentioned that you, you think Cal needs to run up the score. They need to really, I guess, be in a shootout to have a chance to win this game. What do you expect to happen Thursday? What's your score prediction? Yeah, I, I think Cal is going to lose this game. I think that USC just has too many athletes, and you look at you know the success that Washington had against Cal. I think USC is built a little bit like that, and probably has even superior athletes. I think also just the history between the two programs. Cal hasn't been USC since 2003. It seems like the Trojans kind of have always had the Bears number. It's at the Coliseum. It just it seems like there's so many things kind of going against Cal here. They need they need one win in the last three games to, to make a bowl. Um, I think BYU is kind of the one that everyone is looking at. I think Stanford is going to be much more of a coin flip, but I think this is the game where they really get kind of sent back down to earth. I think USC is probably going to win by 17, would be my guess, but I think it will be relatively high scoring. He's Grant Merrick, the publisher of GoldenBearReport.com. For all the things on Cal, follow him on Twitter at CalRivals. Thanks a lot, Grant.
We'll be back talking USC recruiting with Chris Swanson. Chris Swanson, keep it right here at Trojansports.com. Hey, Travis Rogers from Yahoo Sports Radio. Thanks for listening to my friends, Trojansports.com and the Trojan Sports Podcast, presented by Rivals. You know, we talk Trojans and everything going on in sports. Plus, we actually have some fun every morning on Yahoo Sports Radio and heard locally in Southern California on AMA 30 KLAA, home of the Angels. It's the Travis Rogers Show every weekday morning from 6 until 10. Check us out. Now, back to the Trojansports.com podcast. We're back on the Trojansports.com podcast talking recruiting with Chris Swanson. Chris, a bye week for the Trojans, but plenty of activity. The coaches got an opportunity to go out on the road. It was a big weekend. You actually got to see uh, Coach Steve Sarkeesian uh, on Friday night at Alamany Crespi. They were obviously there to see Dominic Davis and Deshaun, Deshaun Holmes, two USC commits, four-star safety Marvell Tells also on that game. What was that like? Uh, how did those guys perform? You know, they performed well. I think uh, Deshaun Holmes, was kind of the MVP of the game for uh, USD recruits. You know, they did, Alamany didn't win the game. Uh, Alamany had to turn to their pass to attack. Chris did a great front seven with Ryan Mustacona up front. Uh, Don Davis for Alamany is a little bit hurt. There wasn't much of a running game, and it was just the Deshaun Holmes show. You know, they were throwing it all over the place to him, and he made a big impression. He had a fumble and a couple drops, too, but there were times when he was wide open when, you know, they just couldn't hit him, and he would have had an amazing day if they connected two more times. Steve Sarkeesian was also out on Thursday night to see receiver Dylan Crawford of the 2016 class. He, that was at the St. Francis Salesian game. Defensive line coach Chris Wilson was in Virginia to see four-star defensive tackle Tim Settle, obviously going to visit USC now officially here in, the, in later this month when USC plays Notre Dame. Marcus Chuesa-Sopo was also out on the road to see five-star tight end Chris Clark. He's a Michigan commit, but he wants to obviously officially visit USC as well for that Notre Dame game. Keith Hayward was out on the road to see Kendall Sheffield, who's already officially visited USC. T. Martin was in Florida to see Tristan Payne, the commit, the wide receiver commit. That was on Thursday. So a lot of activity, and there was an offer out, too, to 2017 athlete Darnay Holmes. Uh, what do you think of that offer? I think it's a good offer. I think Holmes is probably one of the top guys in the 2017 class right now. It's one of those things where it's going to change in a couple of years, and, you know, it's projection. We'll see how, how he progresses. But, you know, he's a great athlete. He can play on either side of the ball, a corner, a receiver. I think it's a good offer, uh, and also, you know, the scholarship offers aren't finalized until he gets to their senior year. So, if he doesn't progress, you know, it's it's not it's it's nothing bad for USC. They can kind of turn away from him and go somewhere else. But right now, looking at how he plays and how he projects, I think it's a great offer. Yeah, besides Nathan Tilford in that 2017 class, I would say Darnay Holmes is is up there for sure. Moving down the line, KJ Costello, the 2016 quarterback from Santa Margarita, he's thinking about making a decision soon. Yeah, uh, he could make a decision right after his senior season is what he said. He's going to turn his focus to recruiting then, and it, it could be coming right around that time, a little bit sooner than, than most people expected, at least. Where do you think USC kind of sits there? Because obviously they're kind of waiting for Shea Patterson, the 2016 number one rated dual threat quarterback from Louisiana. Yeah, I think I think uh, they're in his top two. I'm not sure if uh, what they're what they're doing with the whole Patterson thing. If they want to wait, see you know what he decides before they take a quarterback in this class. But you know, if they want Costello, they have a really good shot to get him. Um, he won't. He doesn't have an official top two, but it seems like every time he talks. USC Stanford, USC Stanford. So we 
kind of expect him to choose from one of those two schools. The bye week also mixed up the practice schedule a bit, so there was visitors on campus on Sunday with watching the USC Trojans practice. Who was there, and what's the feeling now with, with some of these guys now as, as we head into National Sign Day? Yeah, they had a Riverside Community College receiver, uh, Isaac Whitney, was out of practice. Uh, we saw him just the other week when they played against Long Beach City College. Uh, he was there, good-looking receiver. He's obviously very interested in USC. He's going to take some visits, uh, but it seems like it's USC, West Virginia, and Cal for him. And then they had some Sarah kids, some uh, Jennifer Sarah uh, from Gardena kids. Khalil uh, Pate, the 2016 quarterback, who probably projects more as an athlete at the next level. Uh, he's a good one, too. Uh, he was there talking with the coaches and also uh, C.J. Pollard, the uh, safety at Sarah, who 2016 kid already has an offer for USC. Yeah, and in the 2015 class, I think we're seeing USC lineups of potential backup options to their primary options. One of those is four-star inside linebacker Darren Kirkland, and he officially decommitted from Michigan, and he said that he wants to officially visit USC here in the next couple months. Three-star wide receiver Antonio Callaway of Miami, Florida, said he's also considering five schools, and USC is among those. Um, I was in Utah. You you sent me out on the road, and I was able to see Osa Messina, the number one rated player in Utah. Osa told me that USC is definitely up there for him, probably in the top three right now with UCLA and Arizona State. He's going to officially visit USC for the Notre Dame game. Also visiting that weekend will be Porter Gustin, the number two rated athlete and, and linebacker there in Utah. And, uh, you know, he told me he's really excited just to see a game atmosphere, be on campus and all that. So I think USC sits, sits well with those two guys, and I think we're we're definitely seeing the class take shape now. Yeah, we are. Um they're, they're close to the end here. I think they have seven spots left, I want to say, and it, it seems like, you know, they'll fill them up. They have enough guys. They're looking at so many guys, it seems like they're, they're not going to come up short on signing day uh, like they did a few years ago, and they're all quality guys, too. So it's, it's exciting time for USC. They finished the season strongly. You know, the, the, that's the limit for this recruiting class. I think they even have a shot to have, you know, the number one or number two class in the, in the country. So that will do it for our recruiting chat. For all the latest on USC recruiting, log on to Trojansports.com. Tune in next week as we review the Cal game and look forward to UCLA. Thanks for tuning in. Trojansports.com podcast. Thanks for listening to this week's Trojansports.com podcast. Your one-stop shopping for everything Trojan sports. Recaps, previews, the best in recruiting, and some fun and frivolity with the boys. Follow the guys on Twitter at BNGUO at Chris B. Swanson, and at Adam J. Maya. We'll see you next week on the TrojanSports.com podcast.